The advice given on sex and other human activities is for entertainment purposes only. If you've got a question for us, send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. <laughs> is that your new theme song? Yeah, it's my new theme song. Big, 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 big city. Welcome to Sex and Other Human Activities, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Marcus Sparks. I'm Jackie Zabrowski. We're living in the big city. We're living in a big city. I'm a big girl in a big city. That's it. That's my game. <laughs> So you just got back from L.A. Is yeah, anyone baby. Who uh, listened last week knew that uh, that Jackie spent the weekend in Los Angeles oh, with yeah. brother Henry. Yeah. How was it? It was wonderful. We had a really good time. Yeah, man. You know, it's it's always weird as adults, even if you're really close to a sibling, but hanging out just you and your sibling for a few days. You know, it, it's funny how you immediately go back to, like, roles of being a kid where I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Stop singing. You're always singing. <laughs> he's like a bird. He sings when he's happy. Yes, he's just like a bird. He's just like Natalie and Broglia. <laughs> but he wants to fly away, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys went to the Halloween adventure. Dude, man. All right, we went to Universal Studios Hollywood. We went to Halloween Horror Nights. And we got the fucking shit scared out of us. Yeah, man. It was so much fun. And uh, and it's something that a lot of couples went to. I feel like it's a big couple thing. Mm. There was this one point when we're in a clown 3D haunted house that was so scary. Yeah. It was very, and they're very good at scaring you. It's not just like a one jump out thing. It's like a following you. It's the whole thing. And at one point, I was just like, Henry, behind you! Because <laughs> it was like a big hulking dude. And Henry looked, screeched, crouched down, hit his head, ran right into a wall. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and then as I'm laughing, immediately someone's right behind me. I'm like, no! <laughs> but it was great because we were just saying, like, at that point, there was another point in the house that I went to, like, grab his hand because that's a natural reaction, yeah. which I don't even realize because, you know, usually I'm with a significant other or someone that it's fine to grab the hand of if you're scared. He's like, don't touch me. <laughs> We're not a couple. Oh, no. There's a reason why couples go to haunted houses, why they go to horror movies, things like that, because the chances of you fucking after a horror movie or a haunted house are just generally being scared much higher. Much higher because you want to be close. You want to be with them. Yeah. But I did see a few couples like on the brink of breaking up, <laughs> too, which is like it's another thing of like whether you like to be scared or whether you don't like to be scared. This one guy, we were walking through, we were on this tram, they let you off in the middle of nowhere. It's like a, and it's like a walking dead tram thing. So you're out in the middle of nowhere with all these like zombies. Mm -hmm. And this girl was screaming so hard and this guy like kind of swooped, like swiped at her with a big knife. And she got down on the ground. She was like, and like her boyfriend was just like, get up, get up. Why are you being like this? And he's just like screaming at her. I'm like, I'm like, that's who you should be scared of. <laughs> Why are you screaming at this fake zombie that's not going to kill you? <laughs> I don't know, man. You, you also, you mentioned something, you know, we're talking co couples, we're talking Halloween, we're talking, of course, horror movies once we get to uh, to that point, the natural conclusion when we're talking about this shit's horror movies. And you were telling me something that Henry told you about people who like horror movies. And I think it's so interesting. I guess one of the algorithms on, like, online dating sites is that 90% of people that get together and stay together both said they 
said yes to liking scary movies, like in the questionnaires and things that they ask yeah. and how they match people up in the first place. And that's a big part of whether they put someone together or not. And I, I feel like it, it is very interesting because most of the people I know that have been in long relationships, both people either like scary movies or they don't. Yeah, And if they don't, it's a lot harder to, it's like, especially around Halloween time, to enjoy the holiday. Yeah. Because they don't want to do the same things. They don't want to go to the scary movies. They don't want to do all that shit, which is understandable and probably fine for most other times out of the year. But I think liking to be scared is a huge part of your brain. Yeah. It, like, means something. And I don't know if it's, like, a way to run away from everyday things or to, you know, watching the the worst thing that could possibly happen to you and that's what you like about it. I don't know what it is. But I know that me, uh, that Doug and I also very much like scary movies and it's a big part of our relationship. Yeah. Is not only watching scary movies but like reading scary stories or, or, or doing anything like sh shit like that together. We've started reading out loud Reddit short scary stories to each other, which Ooh. is a lot of fun. You guys are doing your own little creepy pasta episode. We're having creepy pasta <laughs> together, eating a big old bowl of creepy pasta. Creepy pasta, baby. <laughs> that are like just like looking up serial killers and things like that, and we enjoy it. And I don't know how I would feel if I didn't like that, and I was with him. Oh, it has to, I have to be with somebody who likes scary shit and is interested in things like that uh, and really, like, enjoys it. Like, that is a definite thing for me because otherwise, I don't know what else I'm going to talk about. And it's understandable if there are other big things in your life. I mean, like, you know, he's very big into country music and, and music in general, which I'll listen to when I'm down, but I, I, I don't necessarily care about the chords or the <laughs> fucking whatever he's talking about but I feel like in the beginning of a relationship you feign interest in all of those things yes you feign interest that's what that's a problem though that is a problem I feel that you should be open when you're first dating someone of what you like and what you don't like and scary movies is a hard thing to lie about because that's going to come to light a lot faster than wanting to hear about chord Progressions. <laughs> I don't even know the terminology. I don't know. You know, that's right. Core progressions. You are correct in that. There you go. Yeah. See, I listen a little bit. <laughs> but also, even now, there are times that I'm like, I don't care. I don't care about it. But there are other times when I sit and I listen because mm -hmm. I do learn and enjoy watching him get so into something. Yeah. And that's something that you can get used to. Yeah. You know, but horror movies is not something you can just be like, well, I guess I'll do it because it makes you upset. Like there are a lot of people I know that get traumatized by those things yeah. and that's okay. That's fine. I mean, I mean, I would say probably the majority of our listeners are probably horror movie fans. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But that also, that comes up the question. It's like, do you, when you're with somebody, do you have to have similar interests? Like, is that a requirement for a healthy relationship? And I think that it is in terms of things in general where, like, we have a very similar sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I've dated people before that's like, I know that humor is a very attractive quality in a person. But if someone doesn't like your brand of humor, that's a very difficult thing to overcome. I don't think you can overcome that. Even if you're not a comedian, I'm saying in everyday life, like, yeah. how do you, how are you with someone that, like, they'll tell this long-winded story and they're laughing at themselves and you just look at them and you're like, um, I'm not entertained at all. Mm -hmm. And it's a hard thing to get past. But what do you do about that kind of thing? So, so then do you look to other 
parts of your relationship, it's like, oh, but the sex is really good, which is great for a while, but that doesn't last forever. Mm -mm. And it's, I think that like not liking the same things that you can at least learn about new things when you're with somebody. Yeah, like somebody who has an interest that you may not be into, but you like the way they talk about it. It's like with, uh, you know, with Doug and country music. It's like right. you love the way he talks about it and you love the way he really gets into it. The passion, that's what The gets passion you. is sexy. Yeah, the passion is sexy. You like the passion. Like that's part of the, you know, the, I mean, I would date girls back in, in college, you know, when I was really, really, really into comic books. Like I still love reading comic books to this day, but in college, like I was really into it. It was like my main thing. Uh, and girls, like I would talk about it and girls that would say like, you know what? I don't read comic books at all, but I like how passionate you are about it. Like the pa the passion is attractive. Uh, and I think as long as your significant other is passionate about what they're into, even if you don't really care about it, like I know plenty of people that uh, don't really care that much about their significant other's like main interests or one of their big interests, but they pretend to be into it. You know, they, they pretend uh, that they really like it too, not because they like the thing, but they like that their partner likes that thing. They like how that makes them happy. So in order to further their happiness, you know, they'll say like, all right, I'll, I'll get into it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll play along with this. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's kind of sweet. Although the, I have seen it go to an extent where it's not sweet anymore. Personally, I had a good friend for many years that every person she dated, I refer to it as runaway bride syndrome, which I don't know if you've ever seen runaway bride before. I mean, I'm pretty sure I can figure out the plot. <laughs> <laughs> but but the main thing of it was that like, you know, in wanting like Richard Gere wanted Julia Roberts to choose how she liked her eggs. Uh -huh. Because no matter who she was with, the, her like favorite eggs always changed because she would always chameleon to whoever she was dating. And I had a good friend that did that. And it's weird to watch someone that you know so well where you're like, I understand that you're trying to become closer to this dude that's so into comic books, mm -hmm. but you all of a sudden being like, I can't believe you don't like comic books, and like reading comic books, reading comic books, and then getting so into it, and then you break up, and then you're dating a guy that's like a really outdoorsy guy, and you guys are going kayaking every day, <laughs> and you like throw away all the comic books, and then you're like into mountain sports, and it's like, that's great, yeah. but then who am I friends with? Yeah, you can't, have, you can't base your identity on your partner. That's a bad that's a very bad idea. Basing your identity on another person is a terrible idea. And that is a I mean you're just never going to be happy with yourself and you're never going to be happy with the person you're with either. But then it's also sad to watch because then you know, you're never single for long if you do that because you're not comfortable with yourself. You don't know what you like. Yeah. You don't know what kind of eggs you enjoy. Ugh. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but I think, but like that is, it's like, how do you draw the line between, oh, well, I'm going to be interested in what you're interested in because, you know, it's something that will further our relationship and I like what makes you happy. And then going the opposite realm of like not doing anything you enjoy anymore because you're so obsessed with what they enjoy. Yeah. And I feel it is kind of a fine line. It depends on if you know yourself and like yourself enough to say, well, I'm not really totally into that, but why don't we share what I'm into as well? You know, that's part of the give and take of sometimes I'll listen, you know, I, I will listen to whatever current obsession Doug has, 
music wise i'll listen to that for hours but then i'll also go on and on about writing comedy and then i'll I'll talk about the podcast and i'll talk about my life and he also listens yeah it's a give and take it's a give and take and if it's all on one side i feel like that should be a wake-up call for you you know if you if you can't remember the last time you open up about something you really enjoy and the other person listened that's when you should draw the line Mm -hmm. and say like what do i like what am i really into what do I want to talk about? And that's okay to be selfish in the relationship about that. Yeah. Like you have to be able to have, you know, and I read something really interesting. Uh, on It was like an ask Reddit thread or something like that. And someone was asking like, what are some red flags and like a starting a relationship? And someone said something fucking great that I had never realized before, but I had actually seen in both relationships that I'd been in and other people's relationships is that uh, never get into a relationship with someone who doesn't have any interests or hobbies because congratulations, you're their new hobby. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. You're right. Exactly. And it's and if you don't have any hobbies yourself, then it's like, oh, OK, what do you talk about? Yeah. And I feel like you're I'm not sh- into anything. What do you talk about? What do you talk about? Or, you know, y- you should have some sort of hobby, something that you like to do. And if you don't try shit out. Yeah. You know, if you realize like, yeah, I'm not really into any one thing or if you're into many things, that's also cool, too. But you got to be into something because there's only so much office gossip you can talk about, you know, and there's only so much, even if you're really into reading, like, you know, we don't share the same book interests, but he'll listen to me talk about the books I'm reading, like Brain on Fire, which is so fucking good. Mm -hmm. And and then I will sit and listen to him talk about, you know, the George Allman memoir. George Allman. What's his name? <laughs> Billy Allman? Allman. One of the Allmans. Greg. Greg Allman. Greg Allman. <laughs> you were amalgamating the Greg Allman biography that he was reading and the George Jones biography. The George Jones. <laughs> because I have these exact same conversations with him. See, that's yeah. what you're there for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I but don't I do also, those things. But I also read, like, he'll read the book, I'll read the book after him, and then, like, we'll talk about it as I discover more and more things. Because your boyfriend does a very good taste in music autobiographies. Yes, he does. Yeah. He's, you know, but I don't read them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. That's totally fine. You know, and he will sit and listen to me talk about like whatever mental illness book that I'm reading or if I'm reading some sort of fantasy novel. Because at the very least, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's fun. Like, that's fun and that's interesting and you can have conversations about that. I really do think that office gossip is a relationship killer. If someone comes home, the worst thing that you can hear is people going on and on about people you don't know. Uh, and you feel like, like, cause you get after a while, like you, you keep hearing them like talk about these people at work and you're like, I have no reference. I mean, there is definitely something to be said for, you know, uh, being able to vent after work, but that's like a five minute thing. Like that is a very short thing. Fucking think about what you want to bitch about, condense it into five minutes and then that's leave it. it. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a, a selfish thing on my part, but uh, just listening to people talk about people that you don't know, that they have no real personal connection to. It's like you can, like somebody talking about their family, you know, and of course you don't know the, their family. Uh, so, you know, like getting to know that type of stuff about them, talking about, you know, uh, cousin George or something like that, uh, then you're talking about that person and you feel closer to your significant other because they're talking about their family. That 
That's something that you care about, you know, or friends or something like that. Friends that they had long ago, you know, that's something to care about. But people that they have no real personal connection to that just did something kind of shitty at work that day and they keep doing shitty stuff, things like that. It's just like, I like, oh, this person is dating that person. Do you know that person cheated on this person with that person? I'm like, great. It's like describing, it's like someone describing a shitty, a show, a yeah. shitty TV show to you that you really don't watch. Although Doug has started doing this thing, which I really appreciate. And I think it's a really great way to end that is that I didn't even realize that this is what he was doing until I realized that I'm like, oh, this is really smart. Is that when he's done listening to me talk about coworkers or listen to me bitch about something, he just comes up to me and he hugs me. And he looks me in the eyes. He goes, I love you. I'm like, I love you too. And then I stop. Yeah. But that's like a good positive way of doing it rather than like, I'm done hearing uh, about this. Uh, yeah. I don't want to hear this. But he has started doing that as like trying to do a positive way of me to change subjects. Yeah. And it works. And but, then I stop. And then I go on to something else. That's great. And I think that the, like it's a good, it's hard to beat when you are the one bearing the brunt of the bullshit that the other person is talking about, it's hard to stay positive and it's hard to like want to be close to someone when you're just like, I don't get what you're talking about. <laughs> but that is a good way to connect and, and you know, look someone in the eyes and be like, okay, I love you. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, and it works. Yeah. And that's great. I hadn't uh, ever really thought of it that way, but I think that's a fucking really great positive way to do it. All right, well, let's get to our letters for today. All we've right. got This week we've got, uh, these are all response letters. Hell yeah. You know, and this first one is a response to last week's episode. Uh, and in fact, it's a response from the person uh, that we were talking about. And it was a kind of a tangent that we went off of from the, uh, the actual question that we had. It was a listener talking about triggers. Uh, and I was curious about, like, the whole trigger thing. You know, I'd, you know when I said, you know, I said, like, trigger bullshit I totally didn't mean to like discount like all triggers or anything like that it's just you see a lot of people saying shit like oh I can't see a fire truck because fire trucks are a trigger you know it's shit it's like, like you can't that. avoid things for the rest yeah, of your life there are certain things you can't avoid yeah you can't avoid fire trucks that's just something that you can't avoid it so the person uh, that we were talking about the person who wrote in the lever letter she wrote in a, uh, a, a follow-up letter to kind of explain what her triggers are all about so uh, yeah let's get into it it's snick snack snick snack yeah Hey guys, first I want to say thank you. It was pretty much what I needed to hear. Just wait and don't overthink about it. It'll happen in time. I know this logically, but sometimes I forget this because her whole question was about masturbation, possible asexuality, things like that. And people also had some really good positive things to say about it on the Facebook page. Uh, so Snick Sang, if you're listening and you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, go over there. Uh, and there were some people that had some really cool things to say about that. Continue the letter. When it comes to triggers in that term, I use the word triggers because it's the term my doctor, doctor used, so I just got used to it. My doctor was into meditation and positive thinking and mindfulness techniques. For me, triggers are emotional and physical things happening in my head. I know if I have certain thoughts and if my body starts reacting like my speech slurs and I twitch, then these are triggers and that will lead to a panic attack. And I have ways to talk myself down from those feelings and to stop them from going any further. It's more about knowing my own body and mind and the tricks it plays when you're in some normal situation like on the train. 
I used to just get off the train, but that's running away, more the problem, and ignoring what's going on inside my head. It's not easy, and I don't have the willpower to do it all the time, but in the last 18 months, I've only had one panic attack, which is a really big improvement. I can only speak from my experiences because I'm not an expert or a doctor. I'm just a kid who has to deal with her own brain. But I hope this kind of cleared up what Marcus was thinking about triggers. At least this is what they are for me. Much love and admiration. Snick snack. But also what you were saying is that like, no, that's a positive way to use the word triggers. Yeah. That, you know, that you said that your doctor is into positive thinking and changing the way and that like that you view it as running away rather than dealing with your problem. Unfortunately, which is what we were talking about, that sometimes I feel the word trigger is used in such a negative connotation where it is something and it's like, run away from your trigger. Yeah. And the fact that your doctor is putting forth that you should be dealing with it rather than running away from it is something that not all doctors do. No. And that's the scary part because, like Marcus said, you can't just run away from fire trucks for the rest of your life. And there are certain things in your head that you can, you know, do good switch bad switch Mm -hmm. and and you can change the triggers inside of you but physical triggers outside of you you can't control no and for the rest of your life you can't just run away from the problem that's not what being in therapy is that's not what dealing with your issues are or else why are you paying somebody to tell you that if you're just going to run away it's the exact opposite of what therapy is there for right no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's, I think that it, it is all, it is, if used positively, the word trigger is a good thing to deal with. It is hard dealing with anything going on inside of you. It, you know, it, it's a hard thing to choose to do. It's a hard thing to deal with every day because it's not just a button you can just shut off. Mm-mm. And a lot of the times, you know, what we're all fucking the shit inside of us that we're dealing with is something that doesn't, go away easily or just doesn't go away but it's how you deal with it that is how you make your life a good positive environment yeah and congratulations for only having one panic attack in the last 18 that's months fucking that's fucking awesome huge <laughs> that is that, that's fucking, amazing yeah that's gigantic i don't so. know if i've had that yeah <laughs> ever since about i don't know eight years old yeah, yeah, like yeah that. maybe yeah, 10 yeah. um but that's really fucking awesome congratulations yeah. yeah that's great and using the meditation and breathing techniques you know of course that's what a lot of people say about the panic attacks is the breathing is the most important thing and it's being able to talk yourself down mm-hmm. because there's not always going to be someone there to talk you down and you have to learn how to talk yourself down yeah and I've been using like I've been using some breathing stuff lately as well because uh, I was taught about this thing called the Alexander technique. Okay. And it's kind of a massage type thing uh, and aligning the body and things like that. It's it's completely relaxing your entire body, uh, essentially making yourself a corpse and letting the person who is uh, doing the the technique on you uh, have complete control over your body and just let everything be as loose as possible and let the other person align you. And I had this uh, this knot in my back, this pain in my back that uh, had been bothering me for about a week uh, where it would it was so bad that I actually hurt when I laughed. And you know me, I laugh a lot. He's a laugher. (laughs) I'm a giggly boy. (laughs) You're not a giggly boy. I never want to call you a giggly boy. It sounds like something in the clown 3D horror house. (laughs) Giggly boy, he's coming out. (laughs) Not the giggly boy. Not the giggly boy. Not the giggly boy. Not the giggly boy. (laughs) 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 But... 
I laugh a lot. Yes. So every time I laughed, it would hurt, uh, which makes, you know, the anytime laughter is painful, that just takes a certain zest out of life. You yeah. Know? Uh, and so when uh, when she was working on it, uh, she was saying, breathe in. When you breathe in, the whole thing is also about breathing, like really, really deep breaths. Uh, and she said, when you inhale, focus on that spot, focus on that knot. While she was working on it, she's like, when you inhale, focus on that spot and I inhaled and I could actually feel it because by that point I was very that was near the end of it uh, I could actually feel the oxygen and the breath going straight to that spot and feeling that spot just disappear make it just it just sort of dissipated as she was working on it much easier than it would if I was just lying there on my stomach you know with fucking massage oil and shit like that uh, and it really, it's funny, like, as you start thinking, like, when you start having that problem, you start having that freak out about whatever it is. It makes you more tense. Like, it makes you a hell of a lot more tense. Uh, and so I started thinking about, like, when I start, was starting to have, like, a freak out or worrying about something or something like that, I started imagining, like, breathing into that thought, just like the pain that I had, just like the stress that I had in my back, like, breathing or inhaling into that thought, uh, and it calmed me down. You know, it's something that has evened me out even more. Like, and that's I know I don't have panic attacks. I haven't had a panic attack in the last one that I had. Like, full true on, can't calm down, can't fucking deal with a panic attack. Was about eight years ago, wow. before I moved to New York. Like, it was, and I was having them at that time. I was having them every other day. Uh, just, I mean, it was a constant thing that just never fucking stopped. And the last time, the last true panic attack that I had was in the bathroom of an office where I worked for a day in Los Angeles, like the copywriting job that I lasted for a day. I don't know why researching chain link fence manufacturers gave me such a horrible <laughs> fucking panic attack. Uh, I'm sure it was outside influences. But it was a whole lot bigger than that. It was much bigger than that, but it was that compared. It was, uh, I was working in this office uh, and I was the only straight dude who worked there, which, you know, that doesn't matter. But the only thing... The reason why it did matter is because it was fucking. I went in at 9 a.m. and they had uh, the serious. They had serious satellite radio on, and they had it tuned to the gay dance music club station. So it's rough it's <laughs> that early in the morning. <laughs> like 9 a.m. No matter what your sexuality, that is rough that early in the morning. <laughs> like everybody is free. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just sitting there and I'm researching these fucking, and I'm just making a spreadsheet of all the chain link fence manufacturers in the United States. And I'm listening to this music and I just start thinking, this is my life. This is my life. This is what my life is going to be for the next 50 years. This is my life. This is my life. And it just, it sent me into a fucking, uh, one of the worst panic attacks I'd ever had. Not the worst one, uh, but I did have to go into, uh, into the bathroom for a little while to calm down. And it was even getting so bad where I had to take, before that, like leading up to that point, that last semester in college, I was having to take Xanax twice a day. Every, every six hours, I had to take a Xanax because if I didn't, I would fucking, like, I would have crawled up into a little ball like I had when the panic attacks first became, first started. Because when I first got diagnosed with bipolar, I also got diagnosed with panic anxiety disorder. That was the first thing that, like, those two things together I was diagnosed with. Got over the panic anxiety disorder. I don't really know how, 
but it dissipated. Well, after I think I got taking control of your life and, and making life choices that you're not upset about every mm-hmm. day is something that is a good way to deal with panic anxiety yeah. disorder. And I'm starting to feel panicky. I'm starting to, and it's kind of scaring me right now because I'm starting to feel that again. Uh, but not because things are going bad, but because things are going well. Right. Like, it's getting to that. It's part of it, because you think it goes away, but it doesn't go away. No. It's just dormant for a while until it's like, wait a second. (laughs) We're here, Marcus. Hey. Are you you happy? Are you anxious? Are you upset? (laughs) You're not upset. You should be upset about something. You should be upset about something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) absolutely. Like, that's it's because things have been going fucking great in life lately for the last, you know, couple months, Uh, but I'm I'm starting to feel that panic come again, you know, that I don't deserve happiness thing uh, that's starting to come. So I'm having a, I mean, I'm talking to my therapist about it, of course, uh, but these other, like the techniques that I've kind of gotten, that I've come upon on my own or techniques that, you know, like the one, that whole breathing technique, things like that, that's been helping a lot, but I will admit, yeah, the, the panic is starting to return and it's the type of panic that I was having, uh, back then like when it was at its worst and it's kind of and I actually am not it's funny because I'm only realizing this just now like (laughs) (laughs) now that yeah through just talking about this I'm only realizing this just now that the 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 feelings that I've had over the last like month or so uh is the same kind of panic that I was having uh back then and it's the same feeling the same uh dreadful feeling that I was having uh, and I have got to keep an eye on that. And I mean, as long, it's something that you should acknowledge. I mean, unfortunately, you know, I live with those thoughts pretty much every day, no matter what is going on. It, it usually hits at night, yeah. especially when I'm trying to fall asleep. It's why, you know, I've always had problems in sleeping. And something, I think I've talked about this before in here, but like something that really, really helps is when I start to feel those feelings right before I'm going to sleep, I acknowledge my toes and I let them go. And then I acknowledge my ankles, and then I let them go. And I move slowly, go from calves to knees, and I take my time and I acknowledge them. You don't make them tense up, just acknowledge the way they feel, and then let them go. And I go all the way up to my head, and I usually, it takes about five, 10 minutes for me to do it, I do it every night when I get into bed. And it helps me acknowledge my body and get aware of how I feel and letting it go makes me feel so much better yeah. and working and thinking about that right before you go to sleep rather than the anxiety and rather than thinking of what you're not doing with your life and what you are doing with your life and why do I feel this way and doing that and then thinking of black yeah and I just and it helps center me and it's all in the breathing and as you're letting it go you acknowledge it and you breathe in and then when you let it go, you breathe out. And it you can feel the tension leaving your body. Yeah. And the more tense I am, the more I'll get into smaller parts of my body where I'll go into lower back and I'll go into the upper back and then I'll do one arm and then the next arm rather than both at the same time. And it helps so much. And then the same with in waking up is I wake up and I stretch and I acknowledge, my, I go for my toes, up to my head and I stretch each part and I wake it all up and it helps center me before I go into the day. Yeah. 
And because no matter what, nighttime is always horrible for anxiety disorder. There's just something about it. It's something about being scared when you're a kid. It, I feel like it, it links into so many different things of like when you Primal. get when you're sick at, and when you're at night, you get sicker at night. It's like things like that where it's like everything bad happens at night, and that's what my head says. Yeah, you know, and and it's just trying to think about only you and nothing else, and it really helps me sleep, and it really helps me not wake up with anxiety or having a panic attack in the middle of the night because that's always when I have panic attacks. Really? For the most part. See, or use sometimes at work, but usually they're in the middle of the night. Mine are all during the day. Really? Yeah. And so by the time I get to the end of the night, by the time I get to that point, I'm so fucking exhausted I fall asleep. You fall asleep. Because the like uh, panic for me is physically exhausting. But maybe you should take the time to do that and maybe it would help with your panic during the day. Yeah. You know, just like having, you know, even though you're not waking up, it doesn't mean you're not anxious when you're sleeping. You know, it's still, it, it manifests in bad dreams. It manifests in how you sleep. It manifests in how, when you wake up and you're sore, it's because you're holding tension in your body. I mean, sometimes it's the way you sleep and it's just like a random thing, but that's something I've always dealt with is waking up sore. And it's something I did this sleep study in college that, um, when I was like, took like, you know, intro to psychology kind of thing. And then you had to go in for studies and I, they did the sleep thing and they were like, you sleep tense. Mm -hmm. Like you are all tense when you sleep. And that's part of the reasons what triggers panic attacks. So. Wow. See, my, my, uh, stress, uh, my nighttime stressor, my sleep stressor is grinding my teeth. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing, just different part of your body. Okay. I have, I grind my teeth so bad. Like during the stressful times that I've had, I grind my teeth. I've grown my teeth so bad that I've broken three teeth. Oh, my God. Like, broken. Completely fucking broken. Uh, and I'm, sp I'm supposed to sleep with the night guard, uh, but I don't want to, so I don't. It's just one of those dumb things where I should be doing it. I know I should be doing it, but I just, you know, don't do it because I'm like, ah, I won't be able to fall asleep, and that's just kind of weird and blah, blah, blah. Uh, which, you know, I, you know, it's not like I'm trying to impress anybody. Or anything like no, that. It's just like, uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just uncomfortable. But yeah, I've I actually uh, I have well, I just replaced one of them, one of the broken teeth. I had I had to have one of them pulled, uh, and there's another one that I'm gonna have to pull. That's I have half a tooth hanging in my head right now, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I constantly tongue it. Like I'm constantly tongue. I'm not this. really staring at your mouth uh, too often. Good, good. Thank God, there's usually a microphone in front of it, so I can't <laughs> see. I want to watch you tongue in your side of your mouth. Yeah, no, no, no. It's I'm constantly doing. It. It's part of my. That's also a part of the anxiety thing because it gets me to think about the anxiety. Like it's a constant reminder of my anxiety, and it's a constant reminder of the panic. Uh, like every time that I touch it, it's like, oh, that's what I do. Ah, uh, what am I supposed to be panicking about? What am I supposed to be worried about? Because yeah, because it's uh, what triggers uh, panic in me mo more than anything is change, life change, like big changes in my life, and I've been going through a lot of changes lately, like tons of like life changing type of shit, type of shit, uh, and. So when that happens, then I start to panic. I, I think about everything that can go wrong with everything, and that's all that happens. And in the past, when that happened, everything fell apart. 
because I started thinking about everything that would go wrong. And of course, it consumes you. It consumed me. Yeah. It consumed me. And the things that I thought were going to happen, the things that I thought were going to go wrong, they didn't happen because I created a whole other slew of problems through my inaction, through my anxiety, through my paranoia. Uh, my life crumbled around me. I don't know how I got through, you know, like actually graduating from college. I mean, it was a combination of Xanax and begging. Uh, and But I got through that somehow. But my personal life uh, completely crumbled and fell apart because of the panic, because of all the shit that was going through my head. Uh, and so that's why I'm pretty scared right now. Because the stakes are pretty fucking high right now. The stakes are very high. Uh, and that. Yeah, but in the past, you weren't aware enough to talk about it. No. And be open enough to deal with it rather than, you know, when you hide from it, which is like all of my lows have also been driven by panic and anxiety, where times when it's like, I feel it's the same with a lot of different mental illnesses when they're like, just chill out. Yeah. I just calm down Fuck and just you. like, look, because you can't, because it's not something you're able to control. And, and you find yourself self destructing because it's easier to self-destruct because oh, yeah. because then all of your worst nightmares are your worst they come to fruition yeah. and then you're like well this is what i was talking about i said that this is what was going to happen it's like no you made that happen through your paranoia through your anxiety and it's scared to it's scary to acknowledge that you did it to yourself but when you're not able to communicate how you really feel and deal with how you're really feeling that is what will happen mm -hmm. because it is because your nightmares come to life yes they will and that's why we deal with it and that's why we talk about it and that's why we have this show and that's why we like people writing in because acknowledging it is the first step to not self-destruct yeah. yeah 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 and acknowledging is fucking scary i'm a little terrified right now I will admit to being like just a little bit like my I, I can feel my eyes going wild because uh, I'm feeling pretty fucking scared for shit right now. But I'm going to fucking get through it. Just like, I mean, if this, if, uh, if I could snick snack and go 18 months without a fucking panic attack, I, I can I can deal with this shit. Like nothing that I have in front of me is insurmountable. In fact, it's only good things. So the panic and the paranoia that everything is going to go absolutely wrong and where where all of my panic and all of my anxiety and all that it always ends with my parents cabin that's it always it always ends with me ending up in like because my parents have uh like that on you know the on their ranch they have a uh a cabin where, like, there was a guy that used to work on the ranch uh, years and years ago, and he had a little house and, like, lived on our land. He was, like, my, you know, grandfather's, like, right-hand dude. Uh, and he lived on the land. So my parents, like, converted that into a cabin to rent out to hunters to make some extra money. Uh, and my worst fears, like, when what, what the uh, panic always ends up with is me sitting in that cabin thinking, this is where I live now. This is where I am. I have failed at everything else. I cannot do anything else. I cannot be out in the world on my own. I am here forever, lonely, watching TV and playing video games until the day that I die. But and I will die probably drinking myself to death. The thing is, is that if that is your low, if that is the worst thing that can happen to you, Think further than that. That happens. Everything goes to shit. Yeah. And that happens. What do you do? You choose again. 
you choose a different path, you find something else, and you begin again. Yeah. That if that is your low, and your low is not heroin addicted it's, in a fucking grave. It is not the way. It is a very like I'm sure there are other people out there. It's like oh poor boy, poor baby, you end up in a. Everyone has a different lows. Yeah. Everyone yeah. sees himself in different places in a low. But then you think of your low. And then you look for another out again and you yeah. begin again because you can always choose again. Yeah. And that's the if like the scariest part of everything is falling on flat, falling on your face, everything going to shit. But you know what you can do? Choose something else. Yeah. Because that's what we have the freedom to do that we are able to do that. You are able to get another job and get the money and figure fucking something else out. There is always another path out, no matter what low you have and even if like that's what you are constantly thinking about that that's what's going to happen that's what's going to happen yeah and that's why we talk about it and that's why we deal with it because you don't you don't have to live in fear yeah of what could be because that's not the name of the game i mean it's one day at a time i know that's the whole 12 step thing but that is it it's one day at a time and it's all we can do and every day you wake up and you deal with today you deal with the next thing you have to do and when you start thinking that forward future, like grave thoughts, you have to let it go. Yeah. You have to write it down. You have to do something else. You do stop switch. Yeah, man. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. do it. No, that, that's, I mean, I, I have a hard time taking my own advice quite a bit. Of course. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> but that's why we have each other. Yes. And that's why we talk to people. That's, you know, it's what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's, I'm sure you guys have figured out, you know, that, you know, despite us giving advice and everything like that, we're, we're both, fucked up. We're fucked up. <laughs> like, we're, <laughs> we're both really fucked up. And it's not like we, do, like, we have people that we ask advice like uh, we have other people that we ask advice like you know i fucking have therapy we have each other to ask each other's advice but you know it's still we're still super fucked up and we still have a ton of problems that we're that we're working through uh but it's just fucking you know it, it's a little terrifying and, and i know and hell if you want if you want to go like i can go even further bottom you know like that, that's to me that's like that's the realistic one like right. that's when i think that like, is what would happen like that is what would happen if i fu if i fucked up like that is what would happen oh you right know? i'd and be living be, in palm harbor florida i mean that's what i would yeah, move yeah, back that's in with what, my parents i mean if you want to go like really really low uh, or if you want to go like the worst like when like shit it's like my entire family like dying in a uh, fucking like gas explosion and losing every single one of them all at once and that's where like you know the homeless on uh, you know somewhere on the streets of New York you know that's where that kind of that's where that plays in like that that's the unrealistic one that would never ever happen but then uh, realizing how fucking relentless you are in wanting to do what you want to do yeah of why you already are at the place you are at if you have the power within you you can overcome almost anything yeah and it's hard and it is a struggle but it's relying on other people even you said you know us having each other is a huge thing yeah. you know your friends and your family and the people that you're able to rely on and you know if you don't have that it's learning how to find that mm -hmm. or learning how to deal with it yourself and that's even harder to do you know and, but it's just finding strength within yourself and trusting yourself. That is the hardest thing I think all of humanity deals with. Yeah. Is just learning how to trust yourself. And if you don't struggle with learning how to trust yourself, 
then you're not that free. Yeah. Then you're not really living if you're if you're like no everything is great. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. Everything's fine. It, the, if you're living in denial, it doesn't mean that everything is great and that you're not struggling. It just means you're living in denial. Yeah. And us being aware, fully aware of our mental shortcomings, which sounds like we are mentally retarded. Retarded, but <laughs> <laughs> but being aware and dealing with it is what you know. It's what we're preaching here. Yeah, man. And, and you know. Of course we're fucked up. We're not professionals, but you know what? Professionals are fucked up too. Yeah. They just don't talk to you about it. Yeah. That's the difference. They're my not allowed to talk to you about it. My therapist has a therapist. Yeah. She has ta- ta- told me that. She's like, yeah, I go to therapy. Of course I do. It's just how much you are aware of it. Yeah. And that is where you make change. And that is where you can, you, you can steer your own boat rather mm-hmm. than just losing control and having another fucking captain. Yeah. I'm the captain of this ship. <laughs> I don't know where exactly captain. I'm fucking going, <laughs> and I don't know where I've really been, but I'm fucking doing it, man, and I am the captain here. Well, I'm very aware of the crazy. Yeah, man, going down the Amazon. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Going through Panama Canal. I got a sloth for a first mate, <laughs> and that's okay because he fucking loves me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we let's call it. That's it. We got it. We're done. Right there. We're done. We're gonna end it with that one. We can't fucking can't top that. We're gonna end it. We'll see you guys uh, next week. Cave Comedy Radio Gmail.com is the email address to write to if you guys have any questions for us or uh, comments or anything like that. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening as always, and we'll talk to you next week. Next week. Bye bye.